from the birthplace of American independence, the city of brotherly love, in the smack dab uh, corner of the Keystone State, this is Lou Bryson with Seen Through a Glass, the podcast that's mostly about drinking in central Pennsylvania, except for now when it's mostly about drinking in Philadelphia. Welcome to another On the Road Adventure, episode 22, Fun in Philly. Kathy and our dog Pippin and I went to Philadelphia for a week to visit with our son and his partner, see old friends, and have some fun. We went to breweries, a winery, some fun restaurants, and walked around Old Kensington with Pippin. We lived in Bucks County for 30 years before moving to Center County, and visiting Philadelphia was a regular thing, especially when I was doing regular beer writing. I'd be in Philly five or six times a month, eating, drinking, interviewing, That tapered off a bit when I started doing more regular whiskey writing, though it was still a thing. But that all ended with the pandemic, of course, and the farewell tour I'd been planning before we moved, last visits to all our favorite restaurants and bars, never happened. And what's worse, some of our most beloved spots didn't survive COVID. Memphis Taproom, Earth Bread and Brewery, and our beloved Grey Lodge Pub. It didn't all end, of course, and we did get to go back to one of our very favorite spots this time, Monk's Cafe, Philly's truly internationally famous Belgian beer bar, and a cornerstone, arguably the current cornerstone, of Philly's beer scene. Philadelphia deserves a spot in the beer history of America, both before and after the craft beer revolution of the past 40 years. It's pretty well established that the first lager brewery in America was in Philadelphia in 1840, and the city developed a brewery town neighborhood in West Philadelphia, named for the large breweries built there. Modern Philly has had its share of early craft brewers. Modern Philadelphia had its share of early craft brewers in the 1980s, notably Dock Street, and then more in the 1990s. But when I arrived in the suburbs in early 1991, one of the very first things I saw was an article by Jack Curtin about the wealth of imported beers in Philadelphia, including a Belgian beer bar named Bridget's. Bridget's would eventually spawn offspring bars, and there'd been a fascination with Belgian beers in Philly for a long time. But perhaps the most important thing that happened in that era was when young bartender Tom Peters found a cheap airfare to Brussels and took an impulsive trip that would change, well, actually would change our lives. Tom discovered Belgian beer, and that would lead to an amazing string of world beer debuts, brewer visits, and early attention from the revered beer writer Michael Jackson, the last time I saw Michael before he died was at Monk's Cafe, and beers being available in Philadelphia that just made no sense at all, other than because Tom had made personal connections with brewers and blenders around the world. His influence on Philadelphia's beer prominence cannot be overstated. His influence on Belgian brewing is obvious. He was the first non-brewer ever inducted into the Belgian Brewers Guild Knighthood of the Brewers Paddle. Tom has been a good friend of mine, and Kathy's too, for almost 30 years, and our lunch at Monk's Cafe was a real walk down memory lane, all the more so because the place clearly hadn't lost a step. I'll tell you about it. I also got two interviews, Ken Carell of Human Robot Brewery and Tom Keogh on the verge of celebrating 30 years as the co-founder of Yards Brewing. I've known both of them for years as well, and we got a bit into the weeds in the interviews, but you like that, right? I'll give you those two interviews, the Monk's Report, and some others, a few upcoming events, and the first update on the home bar we're building. 
some of the reason you're getting these on-the-road episodes is because we're doing a major remodel. And we're out of our Milheim home for six months, staying with our daughter in Belfont. We're taking the opportunity to do some traveling, which also gives our daughter a break. I'll be giving you a brief house update now and then on the relevant stuff that you might find interesting. We're going to get to all of that. But first, here's what I'm drinking today. Ah. What I'm drinking today is New Trail's State Light. I know what you're thinking. New Trail already has a light lager, don't they? Crisp sells like crazy for them. Well, New Trend. Craft brewers making light lagers that go head-to-head with beers like Miller Lite. Not Miller High Life or Budweiser. State Light is going to be available at the new beer stands at Beaver Stadium, along with Rusty Rail's The Fans, Hazy IPA, and Robin Hood's Melon Time, Watermelon Wheat Beer. We're doing a segment on these craft lights on What's Brewing PA, the video show I've been co-hosting with regular host Glenn Macnow. Look it up on YouTube. Just search What's Brewing. There are more of them than you might realize. 2SP's Delco Lager, Kenwood Original, Stable 12's It's a Philly Thing, Yards Philly Standard, Cinderland's Little Cinder, all right around 4%. But seriously, why did Neutrail put another light lager in their lineup? It's significantly different than Crisp. State Light actually has a smidgen more alcohol than Crisp, but 17% less calories. It's 105 per 12-ounce can, and less than half the carbs, if you're counting. But how's it taste? Well, that's why we're here. State Light is quite light in color. It's a it's a, a pale yellow, white foam. Let's have a taste. Uh, it smells like clean light beer. I, I a somewhat grainy, sweet aroma. Just a just a hint of floral hop. Mm. You know, I just had State Light earlier today for the first time when we were taping an episode of What's Brewing and didn't really care for it. I think some of that might have been because I hadn't rinsed. I had been drinking a uh, Czech Pills before. This has got that little um, tang of acidity you'll pick up in light beers sometimes. It's largely from the carbonation. Mostly this tastes like, you know, a light beer. And I, that's what they're aiming for. And the whole idea of this is to get a beer that the local people who don't really like craft beer, don't like heavy malt, don't like big hops, can still support the local brewery. I think State Light's probably going to be good at that. Although, again, not sure why Crisp wasn't... I don't know, because Crisp sure seems to be selling. If this is the kind of beer you like, you ought to give it a try. It's always good to support a local brewer. So that's light lager, and if truth be told, I'm much more fond of the full spectrum of lagers, from Pilsners and Czech Desitkas to Fest beers and Box. And when we're staying at my son's, well, I'm going to get some, because they live a little over two blocks from Human Robot, where Andrew Foss and Dylan Chivetti are brewing hazy IPAs, fruity sours, and some of the most dialed-in German and Czech-type lagers in America. Human Robot was literally the last bar I went to before the COVID lockdown in mid-March of 2020. And for two years, I kind of wondered if it was really as good as I remembered, or if it was just that it was the last place I was. <laughs> so when they started letting people with proof of vaccination cards inside in 2022, I went back to check. It was actually better. 
because now they had food too. These fantastic sandwiches from an independent kitchen on site called Poe's Joint. I had to get this interview. Co-founder Ken Carell and I sat down with mugs of the Czech Den and short glasses of two single hop pilsners, Grüngeist and Callista, and talked about a wide range of things because, well, that's what happens when you talk to Ken Carell. Hey, I'm here with uh, Ken Carell at Human Robot in Philadelphia. How you doing? I'm great. How about yourself? I'm pretty good. I mean, sitting here with three beers in front of me, things are pretty good. Nothing like a few beers to start your morning. That's right. That's right. I mean, the first question, the, the name. Can you, I mean, I, I think I know what the name is about, but I've been yeah. guessing. So, what, what, what do you think? Well, I think it's like your, your sours, your wild stuff, your fruit stuff is the human side and the lagers is the robot side. It's actually the reverse of that. Is it really? It is. That's wild. Um, it, it came actually out of a Daft Punk song. Oh, okay. There's a Daft Punk song called Robot Rock. In the middle, of it, they're like, human, robot. And it kicks up into this like great groove. <laughs> it was uh, it was Jake's idea. Uh, I have two partners, uh, three now actually, including Andrew Foster Brewer. But it, when the name came about, you know, both Jake and the other guy were saying, no, 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 we can't use that. And I'm like, oh, yes, we are. I just thought the human robot name was something that was easy to distinguish. Right. That said, I had an idea of, I had friends of mine when my daughter even was at UC Davis in the brewing program that didn't know what I thought were foundational beers. I had friends of mine that would shit all over hazy IPA. So in our mind, we have somewhere that, you know, kind of respect both sides of that Uh um, and bring it together in one place. And, you know, to me, that name fit perfectly. Yeah. Why'd you open Human Robot? What was the, what was the scheme? What's the plan? Uh, no scheme, no plan. Okay. Honestly, having a run to Memphis tap room, you know, the few years preceding that, I certainly saw the flow away from people hanging out in beer bars. Like we were successful as a restaurant yeah. and when we did events, but we certainly had lost the people coming in just to hang out and drink and crush beers. And, you know, no offense. That was to all any, flow into the tap room? It would all flow to like brewery tap rooms. Yeah. And, and no offense to anyone. I don't mean it, but... People I found were rather drink and sit in like a subpar brewery than they would a proper beer bar. You know, it's and true. the writing was on the wall. My manager at the time when I actually started getting in, it's like, you're always yelling about that stuff. I'm like, yeah, but at some point you look around, you can't beat them. You got to alter your own sensibility. We're talking about the, the range of beers you make. Um, and I, I like your IPAs and sours. I drink them, but the lagers are just, it is a distinguishing feature for me because you, you, you don't just, and this is a conversation, I'm sorry, I'm just rambling here Ramble. because I get so excited. This is a conversation I actually had with uh, Stephen Beaumont years ago. We were going to like do this joint project that was going to be the spectrum of loggers. And about that time, hazy IPAs hit and we just kind of dropped the project because nobody was interested. But you guys are doing that. You know, you've got like the check 10, you've got the... You've got the the garnet. You've got the the various German single hops. You're doing all that. You got a fest beer on now, of course. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we probably entered the game at the right time for that. There but is something being, going on, if right? I'm, if I'm being frank, oh well, well, you you said nobody wanted lagers. That's not true. Well, all the true. all the brewers wanted lagers. Sure. Yes. All the brewers that make all the best hazy beers in the country always want lagers. Want lagers. They invite us to their fest because they want to drink our beer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, it's so in a lot of ways, yes, but the general public was, you know, haze was a big thing. And, you know, lager was a little bit, you know, an afterthought, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, it's just kind of right place, right time. We open with the sensibility, few hazies, a stupid kettle sour. Sorry for anyone. I don't mean to be demeaning that, but as a, as a father of a lady that blends barrel aged beer and has worked at some of the best places in Belgium, I always thought sours kind of the kettle sour market screwed up the barrel aged sour market a little bit. You know, at least in kettle in sour the, in the is kind of like craft mac and cheese. Yeah, sorry, so but... stupid kettle sour. Yeah, you know? like I'm no offense. You know, a lot of people it. love it. A lot we of people have a whole splash it. program. You know, we yeah. love it. You know, people love it. Cool. Yeah. Um, I lost my train of thought going off of my yeah, going off of my train of kettle sour. <laughs> uh, no, so, but over time, you know, so we knew we'd have a German pills. Uh, our brewer Andrew Foss, you know, worked here previously under St. Ben's. Mm-hmm. You know, had had pros and pills was like his pills there. It was amazing German pills. You know, this is Howard Tau Pills is the evolution of that. Okay. Um, Czech 10, Polo Tamave is the, is the Garnet beer. See, this is the thing that really gets... I'm sorry to interrupt no, you, but right. the thing that amazes me about that is the the really fairly tiny gradations you do on lagers, and yet they're... I mean, we're talking about... You, you, you've poured me two samples of beers here that are essentially a Pilsner with the same hop, and they're clearly different. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, you and I talked off off the mic about yeah. terroir. Yeah. You know, we think there is some terroir. One's coming from hops in Michigan. One's coming from hops in Germany. Both the same hop. Right. The same, uh, I guess, the same seedlings. I don't know how you would actually term that. Uh, but they certainly, and they're both processed differently, but they certainly have different expressiveness. Yeah. You know, and uh, so when we opened, you know, we also, we had the two, uh, the two Czech lagers, German lager, we knew we'd make other things, stupid kettle sour, a couple of hazy IPA. We'll see where it goes, what people like. You know, Andrew, we have an old decoction brew house. You know, Andrew's the man. You know, he's like, and he gets off on where other people get off on different combinations of hops in haze and other things. Andrew gets off on researching old, particularly German, but European lager recipes. Okay. And trying to replicate it to the best of his ability. You know, we have a Zwickel beer, which I'm drinking right here. Uh-huh. Uh, Franconian lager. That is from like an 1860s coal-fired, direct fire uh, recipe that he found in an old book and replicated to the best of his abilities. He was super excited when we got the brew house in Jenkintown because in on Fifth Street's auction brew house, it's jacketed kettle. Mm. You know, up there was a direct fire kettle. Oh, uh, we recently put in a mash mixer, so we're doing some of the, the Czech beers up there. Uh-huh. Um, but just because he had like direct fire, and he can kind of like further hone that that beer. So just, uh, not all my listeners are beer people, so when we talk about a jacketed kettle, we're talking about a brew kettle that's heated by a steam, yes. steam in a jacket, so it's a more even, yes. uniform heat, whereas yeah. direct fire is just yeah. what it sounds like. You're yep, actually correct. putting flame yeah, like I think in, like in, in my turn, you know, and, and I always say I can I can buy better beer than I can make, you know, so my expertise <laughs> as a brewer isn't, you know, isn't what any of my partners is. Right, that's why I stopped uh, home you know, yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's hundred percent. My daughter and I, who's who's a brewer, that's you know, we brewed a couple beers. I realized I could make better beer, you know. Plus I've always been a better cook than I am a baker. Okay. Precision and yeah. temperature stuff isn't yes. my thing. Yeah. Just kind of let's throw a little this in, throw a little that in, let's see what happens. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's where we're at with, you know, and the lagers have for us become made us distinct, I guess, somewhat mm-hmm. in the industry. You know, I travel a lot, and most of the reasons I go to markets that we don't sell any beer in, because we don't do any distro, because we're invited to the best festivals that we think are most prestigious among the best brewers in the country. We're going. Yeah. You know, we're going to hang out. We're going to drink beer. And, you know, you know, we were in North Park, which is an amazing San Diego brewery that 34 breweries for Lagerfest. We were the first one to kick. 
you know, we were nice. You know, and like to me, like I get off a little bit on that. Sure. And a lot of it is because in California, in all these markets, people can't get our beer. You know, the number one thing in the beer business that sells is scarcity. Yeah. Um, and you back that up with a guy that makes amazing lager like Andrew, and you know, it's it's a good combination. So it's kind of been fun to go out there and you know, grow the uh, grow our reputation, if you will. The Fifth Street location. There's there's two things here that I wanted to talk about, and one of them is the milk tubes, because everyone I talk to who's, who's never had one is like, why would I pay for a glass full of foam? It's not a glass full of foam. Can you just talk about milk tubes? Yeah, it's probably like two or three ounces of beer. You know, it's just uh, elongated. It's fluffy. <laughs> um, so, it, it, uh, do you know Luker? Yeah. Luker is the faucet company. Yeah. So, so Jan, who is the, like the Luker rep and like Luker American sell, you think I had spent some time with uh, recently in, in Tennessee for CBC. Oh, nice. And it's kind of funny because we went over it with him and they, they really like it. We thought early on, like they really were hating on us, you know? Oh, <laughs> and it was. oh actually he told me like, well, you know, sometimes when the posts go up, you know, it's six hours ahead. I've been in a bar for a little while. So, you know, my comments, you know, are, <laughs> my comments aren't tempered. I was like, fair enough. Ooh, that's f- well phrased. I like that. <laughs> and, uh, but I mean the uh, so they're poor from a check side. Yeah, and, and we, we um, need to explain what they what we're talking about. I'm well, sorry. Well, yeah. even taking a step back, you talked about when we opened. We had the check ten. We had the pull them out of it. So <laughs> when we opened, of course, we had check poor. Side yeah. Faucet. Well, at that point, you know, there were a few in the country. Uh, Notch had those. Right. Like you know, Oxbow and like Fava. Oh, okay. Fava's fiance Brienne, who was still uh-huh. brewing at Notch, they kind of had a little in with Luker. Okay. And. Uh, these Luker faucets, you have a series of screens. And what it does really is filter out the smallest carbonation bubbles. Okay. So only leave you with that kind of like dense, wet foam. And quite honestly, it's delicious. Yeah. You know, and, and the interesting thing about it is... As I mean, much, every time we come here, a round of milk tubes is part of the night. It, it's, it's, it's a requisite thing. Yeah. And, and if I'm being quite honest, and I had this conversation with, with Jan from Luker, the interesting thing is it leaves the essence of the beer across your palate. In almost a way more than the liquid itself does. Mm. Because when you, every time you, you're drinking a beer, the, the, the further development starts to happen. And then you drink another beer, it kind of washes and the whole process starts again. You know, with the milk tube, you chug that thing down. It stays it. And for a second, you know, it rolls across like your mustache you have on or whatever. <laughs> but you get the essence of that beer. And it's just, it's a beautiful experience. And then that's stupid fun. Uh, it's fun to do it with your friends. Right. It's not like doing shots of whiskey where you're, you're you know, you're going to be totally drunk. You know, like, you know, for us, we have this, this expression, uh, particularly in the beginning, it's like, it's the right side of stupid for us, you know? <laughs> well, we're three guys, now four, that, like, decided we wanted to have a brewery, took no money from anyone. We're given a unique opportunity that we really didn't even need that much money, you know, given the situation, and we do what we want. Okay, so the other thing is post-joint. You yeah. know, the people that do the sandwiches. Post-joint being the operative word. Yeah, right. <laughs> This is a city that's nuts about sandwiches. I mean, it's our, it's, it, I mean, some people say it's our major contribution to American cuisine. And yet these guys, I mean, every time I come here, I want to try something different because they're making sandwiches I've never seen before. What, what's the story with them? How'd you hook up with them? He was in another spot on Frankfurt Avenue in Fishtown. And we talked internally about reaching out to this guy. It seems like maybe this would be a good mix. Interestingly enough, his landlord locked him out. Oh. They wanted to take that space over for their own sandwich spot because they were selling another one. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we had a couple meetings. You know, it all worked out. You know, we've had some issues. Um, aside from that, it's just been a great marriage. 
you know, they're fun, they're interesting. Again, he's not beholden to anyone, you know. Mm-hmm. He wants to make a stupid sandwich with all these things on it, you know. He does that. No, I mean, it's it's almost as a big reason I come here as, as the beer. Almost. It's oh. close. It's, close. Well, it's also a good mix with beer. You need food. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. that's, and for us in this neighborhood with what he's doing, I think it's, it's, it's a great mix. Yeah. Last question. Uh, <laughs> how big is the brewery in, in Jenkintown? Is there any chance of seeing Human Robot in central Pennsylvania? Uh, I gotta ask because we're here. I would say nothing's ever okay. off of the radar. Um, you know, our MO is go to a place that's already done and built out. You know, I think remember was that old Bass commercial? We don't make anything. We just make it better. You know, and not, <laughs> that, we're, and not that we're making anything better, but our real MO is Jankatown was a brewery. It was in the Shamity. Right. Before that, it was yeah, Guild Hall, was. I think, yes. for like yes. a cup of coffee. Right. Um, you know, so if there's an opportunity like that, you know, we would do it. I know that, I know there's a, there's a couple out there, like people have reached out to us, uh-huh. you know, as, as we get, get like this fourth thing online, you know, maybe. I mean, right now, poor Andrew's running between Jankatown and here. We have a, a total production team of three. Uh, I think we're probably going to hit about 2,000 barrels this year, which mm-hmm. is uh, pretty good for us, you know. Big for considering, a small brewery, yeah. Uh, especially considering the size of the vessels, you mm. know, because these guys are working their tails off. You know, but so far, so good. We're, what we're size kettle are you using? Beer. I'm sorry? What size kettle are you This one's uh, 10 heck. The other one's like 10 barrel. Okay. So 10 heck, I think, translates to close, like, 8 barrel, give yeah. or take. You know, and hazy IPA, probably like 6 and a half, depending. I mean, utilization has come up over the years with, like, incognito and all these other kind of, like, techniques and materials that you use that, you know, one of the reasons to do collabs is, you know, hey, these guys do amazing hazy beer. Right. They always want to make a lager with us. But, you know, what are you doing? Yeah, how do you, you know, do We've recently made a, a West Coast with... With uh, North Park, best West Coast in the country, I think. You know, no offense to Blind Pig and sure. what the the Russian River guys are going, but you know they won World Beer Cup for like Hop Fu, and you know they won. I'm sorry, JBF for Hop Fu. They won the World Beer Cup for like NZ Fu, and they're interesting guys with process. So whenever you can share information, yeah. You know, we went out there and made their first decocted beer. Now you know Andrew always laughs and say like when we show people like process, they'll never do that. It's extra time. Guess what? The good ones do. You know, the good ones that beer. care about making better yeah. beer yeah. will take the time. So, you know, we kind of like that when they, you know, we all like learn a little bit from each other because that's, that's really what it's about. Cross fertilization is a great thing. Yeah, and, and you know, there are a lot of a lot of brewers around the country, and I understand why they do it, do collabs just to kind of share names. Mm-hmm. You know, if Andrew's not on the brew deck or Dylan's not on the brew deck on the other side or somebody from there not here, we don't really want to do them. You know, we want to we want to learn. You know? Yeah. And we want to also learn and, and help you. You know, make the world a better place, you know, particularly for, like, lager stuff. Yeah, you're not just stealing shit. You're yeah. trading shit. No, and it's, it's just, you know, everyone puts their own spin on it. You know, talk about Chihuahua Irwin's brew house a little bit different. Mm-hmm. You know, we've gone to make perceptively Howertown and other places. You know, they call different things. It's not Howertown. Howertown's, you know, Howertown's coming off of history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Cool. That's all I got, man. All right. Thanks for the beers. Thanks uh, for the you're interview. Welcome. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> all Cheers. right. That was an easy one. Man. Yeah, take care, man. You know, I can sit here and talk all day. Now. I know. <laughs> and we have. Yeah. <laughs> Ken asked me where else I wanted to go. Well, a lot of places I told him, but I really wanted to get to fermenter reform, another place the pandemic cheated me out of. I'll give Ethan a call, he said, and whipped his phone out right there. Ethan was good enough to come into the place the next day. They're usually op- only open on Saturdays, and I went over to visit. It's only half a mile from my son's place. Fermentary Forum is down a dead-end block on Palethorpe Street. 
tucked in behind stateside vodka and a hookah bar. I'll be honest, it's not promising from the outside. It kind of reminded me of East End Brewing's first place in Pittsburgh. But when Ethan opened the door and I walked into that cool, dark space, it was a transformation. It looked like an old, lived-in pub that people had been coming to for decades. Beer is not actually brewed here. It is aged, blended, created. Ethan has beer made for him at other breweries and trucks it here to be stored in barrels and, more recently, tanks, where wood and air and microorganisms have their way with it. That might seem like a Belgian way of doing things, but it's not exclusively Belgian. Ethan is actually aiming more at a northern French tradition. And as he explained to me, the name, form, think of it like a form for pouring concrete. You're invited to fill it with what you think the beer, his beer, is about. He's not going to tell you what to think. I thought it was great. I had Bell's Ring, which was gloriously alive and floral, bosky, and Origins Rosé, which had intense aromas of undiscovered stone fruit. I've been eating so much good stone fruit this summer. Plums, apricots, apriums, which is this new cross I discovered. I also had Smile, a honey rye farmhouse ale that was pleasant and simple, but with the essence of honey without that heavy sweetness. I didn't want to leave, but I had to. The only way to know when to go back is to check Facebook and Instagram, where Ethan posts hours and beers. It's impulsive. Secret. It's fun. I had to leave because we were going to Gamarjoba, a Georgian restaurant. Gamarjoba is Georgian for hello. And we were meeting up for dinner with Tom and his partner Sade, and longtime friends of ours, Rob and Thea Cohen and their son Simon. Gamarjoba is out on Bustleton Avenue, which runs through the heart of a kind of breakup of the Soviet Union string of neighborhoods. Georgian, Uzbek, Russian, Ukrainian, Belarusian. We used to go to a great place on the next block, Uzbekistan, which we'd found thanks to a Craig LeBan review in the Philadelphia Inquirer. LeBan had had great things to say about Gamarjoba only a few weeks before, so we went. The restaurant had recently added a brewery they'd been BYOB before, and I was curious to see if it was a real brewery or one of the quickie extract tank things I've seen used as a cheap way to get a liquor license. We ordered beers right away. The Oktoberfest I ordered was, well, it was no Paul Anner, but it was a good beer. My son Tom's copper lager was similarly tasty. Good job, Gamarjoba. The food? The big Hachapuri Imaruli round was hot and cheesy, like a pizza with extra cheese and no sauce, less stretched to the dough, and chewy rather than crispy. We got kinkali kalakuri, very juicy steamed meat dumplings, and a cold eggplant salad that, well, it wasn't as popular as the other two items were with the table. We'll leave it at that. Main courses? Uh, an assortment of stews, fried potatoes with stewed chicken, that was mine, it was quite good, salmon in a walnut sauce, a large variety of things, and all of it delicious. I passed on the nice-looking desserts for a large cappuccino, and I had no regrets. So while we're eating, let's wrap that one up and talk about that lunch at Monk's Cafe. We've had many dinners in there, including Thomas's 21st birthday, which was quite an event. You gotta start a guy on the right path, you know? So this was quite familiar for us, and we were pointing out things as we enjoyed our drinks and chatting with Tom Peters, who luckily had been held up by paperwork and was still there. I got a Duranka Cezanne that was bright, a bit fluffy. Kathy had a Hill Farmstead George that put the lie to the idea that brown ale is boring. We ordered a cheese board. 
was three on-point pieces of cheese that were just right for our appetite, served with honey, jam, and a pickled mustard, which was very nice. Kathy moved on to Hill Farmstead Edward, their superlatively simple pale ale, while I got a Russian River Blind Pig, a classic West Coast IPA, and Tom Peters is the reason Philadelphia gets Russian River's beers all the way over here on the East Coast. It's because they want their beer at Monk's Cafe. Lunch arrived. Kathy had a mushroom pappardelle with plenteous and varied fungus. It was a great plate. I went with one of Monk's strengths, the Bruges Burger, a fantastically fresh and perfectly rare billet of beef topped with sautéed mushrooms and Gruyere cheese with a side of their very Belgian frites and their famous bourbon mayonnaise. It was a peak Monk's experience. Everything brought back so many memories. I finished up with a small glass of Duranka Simplex, a Kolsch-like little beauty of a beer, and we said our goodbyes. If you go anywhere in Philly to eat or drink, you really do have to go to Monk's Cafe. At least twice. There's nowhere else like it in America, and you owe yourself. Now, another long-term Philly beer friendship of mine is with Tom Keogh, the founder of Yards Brewing. As you'll hear in this upcoming interview, I was at the first public pouring of Yards beer at a festival at the old Philadelphia Civic Center in 1994. By the next day, Yards ESA, cask-conditioned beer pouring on hand pumps, dry-hopped in the keg with whole-flower East Kent Goldings hops, was all anyone was talking about. It was one of the very first things I wrote about as a pro. I still like Yards, and was looking forward to getting the latest from Tom. We were actually both a little apprehensive because the last time I sat down and interviewed Tom, there was a massive windstorm that blew in part of the side of the old brewery while we were talking. The weather forecast looked good, though, so we decided to go ahead with it. Here's what he had to say. So, hey, I'm here with uh, Tom Keogh, the founder and man who runs Yards Brewing Company in Philadelphia. How you been? Terrific. How you been, Lou? I'm all right. Awesome. All right. Uh, you know, full disclosure, I've known Tom for coming up on 30 years. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was at your wedding, for God's yeah, sake. Yeah, absolutely was. Yeah. Just wanted to talk about that. I mean, I remember what I think was the first time you poured Yard's beer in public at the old Civic Center at the festival in, what, 94? Yep, 94. I think it was April 29th. Just remembering it that, was you April. know? I wouldn't have remembered the date, but yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and you had you had your flagship and the esa yep we had uh, we had two two beers on draft esa and esa because that's all we made but we had two two handles on the uh on the, on the cold box yeah the, the jockey box yeah so yeah you were gonna uh you were gonna do cast conditioned ale back then right that yep. was gonna be the it, thing it was it was cast conditioned at the at that time right so. you had the hot pockets in the EPG. yeah 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 it's a, that was our little niche that we thought we could uh you know set ourselves apart with I mean, I remember coming home from that and starting to talk to some other people. That was the only beer anybody was talking about because everybody was just like, "What the hell was that?" You know, yeah. I don't think I don't think most of us had ever had a, a cask conditioned ale before. Yeah, and, and we were basically describing it as an aggressive ESB. Yeah, but we didn't want to call it a bitter, so we called it a nail. Right, because we thought that would turn people away, and it and probably would have back then. Yeah, there yeah. there wasn't. I mean, every beer was amber ales back then, almost. Yeah. So it was you know people were just getting getting styles dialed in and you know yeah. calling it you know what they were i still remember somebody i might have been might have been you or john i can't remember it said it was uh vsa it's one letter better one letter better than, better than ESP. <laughs> <laughs> and you still make that right yeah we still make it yeah 
And, you know, we ended up, uh, English ales have not been that sexy. You know, oh. IPA, it's all about the IPA, um, which actually is an English ale, right. but, you know, there's the American IPA. Yeah, it's kind of transcended that. Take, taking over the world. So we stopped packaging it for a little while, uh, but we still actually made kegs and casks. Okay. So, so it was always still around for beer engines and for draft. Uh, but this year for our variety pack, our winter variety pack, we're putting ESA in the can nice. in, in the variety pack. And then we'll have some here at the tap room for people to grab. Cool. So that's being done right now. Okay. <laughs> so. And you still put you still put it on cask sometimes here? Yep. We still have it on cask here a lot. Nice. Yes. Yeah. Here being, sorry, I'm, we're, here, we're, we're actually we're, in the brewery yeah. tap room and it's, and it's large. Um, what does this see? Um, upstairs with the event space and downstairs. We could do a function of about 500 to 550. Wow. wow. Um, but just in here, about 280, just this room. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. It's a it's a beer hall. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it really is. You used to have a, a state college presence. I remember seeing yards at Zeno's really early, like yeah. maybe the late 90s. And he was one of the first guys that had a beer engine, too. So oh, right. That was uh, the ability to jump on draft there right away, which was, you know, great. And, yeah, state, state college has always been a something that's really worked out for us. I mean, we have Nittany Beverage, which is our wholesaler up mm-hmm. there. And still to this day, we're still, you know, selling beer in State College. That's great. That's yeah. great. But now it's more Philly Pale than ESA. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is it more Philly Pale than anything anywhere? Is that the... Yeah. Yes. It, I mean, still the Philly big. Pale is still about 30% of what we make. Okay. So. You have your classic line of beers, the, the ESA, the Philly Pale, the Brawler, the IPA. But then you do, you do other... Other lines, the well, the standard line that we're drinking now, and yep. uh, the 8-bit line, which is like hazies, I guess? Yeah, the 8-bit series. Well, it's not necessarily all hazies. Okay. They're all IPAs. Oh, all right. And they're all, uh, you know, different types of IPAs. Like the Level Up is a tropical IPA. The 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 Star Jockey is a, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a hazy IPA. Uh, but it's made with that cosmic punch yeast, okay, which is with the, the you know, gets those and, yeah, and yeah. all that stuff. But it's really, really a, a, a neat beer. Then we have the very mega, which is the double IPA, nine point nine point two, which, which is on cask right now. Is it, that right? Yeah, it's wow. on cask I right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then we have the bit piper, okay, which is just your basically hazy citrusy IPA, and it's uh, actually what what filthy turned into that launched the day. COVID launched. Oh, God. And it never really had a chance. And then we developed this 8-bit line, and we said, we need the fourth 8-bit line beer. And, you know, the Filthy was just such a good beer, and we're just like, you know what? It's not getting getting a fair shake. It never never had marketing behind it, so now let's give it marketing behind it. We have this whole whole 8-bit series, which comes, you know, you can play the video game for each of those beers. The, The you know the 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 Donkey Kong style for the level up, the wrestler for the very mega, the bike race or the rocket race for the star jockey, and the the sort of uh, I guess snake oh, for the, the, the old, the yeah, old yeah, snake yeah, the game snake that used game, to play yeah. with Atari. So yeah, yeah, that whole eight bit series. But I love and the, it's and got, the variety pack. Is yeah, the Rumble pack. The Rumble <laughs> pack. <That's> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Made to look like is something you would get your your Nintendo system with or whatever. Yeah. So. So we are, I mean, you and I are both drinking the Philly Standard. Tell me about that one. So the Philly Standard came out as an idea. It's like, look, we want to we wanna appeal to the biggest mass of beer drinkers, which is that, you know, that macro style beer, the beer flavored beer. 
and we did a lot of you know research and you know had some great examples to look at take someone like uh 805 oh right uh, you know Walker, th- yeah. i mean that's not available out here and you know we thought why can't we do something that appeals to everybody that drinks beer that doesn't always like craft beer although craft beer is so prevalent everywhere you can get it everywhere now it's not like you know but sometimes you just want a beer yeah. and that's that's what we came up with yeah, it's, it's, standard. Me. I mean, <laughs> it's a yeah. good good beer yeah i mean it's like it's low hop uh-huh. which you know and then it's got a nice really malt base that carries through and it's not offensive yeah it's like you I, said earlier it's beer flavored beer beer flavored beer yeah, yeah. I, i'm thinking of, i'm calling it it's, it's like non-craft beer you know, because some people will understand that. Yeah, so. yeah. You've got an endorsement going with yeah, Kyle Schwerber. Yeah, Kyle Schwerber. Yeah, the left um, fielder. This was one of those things where we weren't necessarily looking for something like that, but we were talking to the Phillies about how do we, you know, present ourselves better and things like that. And, I mean, you've been at the park for a yeah, while. We, yeah. We, we, yeah, we've been, you know, once it opened up, it was like immediately a venue for uh, for craft beer. And I'll give you a yeah. Uh, a story that I'm not sure that many people know about, but we were doing Philly Pale, and we were kind of doing it more as like an English Pale, like Coniston's Bitter, mm-hmm. um, something like that for the Philly Pale. And we were like, "Look, we have to change this. ESA is not going to be the beer that's going to be selling like crazy at yeah. the ballpark because they're hot summer days, and you're yeah. a little, you Even know, that, it's a little, little, little much." And so I was down in. For CBC in New Orleans. Craft and, Beer Conference. Yeah, Craft Beer Conference yeah. and got this hop, which I thought would have been great for the Saison. Uh, and it was called Simcoe because it had a real tangerine <laughs> and orange kind of flavor. Right. I was like, this is great. And it was, well, Dude, it, you're like it, the it, only person in the world who thought Saison when they smelled that <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Well, we, yeah, and, 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 and it, we put it in there and it was overbearing. It's like, we can't use oh, this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we, we decided, get you know, we're. Going back to the, you know, hops we normally use in in, in the saison, um, which was just like English Goldings and right. things like that, and but we're just like, man, it, it was so so intense that we decided to put it in the Philly Pale, mm-hmm. and I got my brewer writing down, should have done this years ago, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and we put it in Philly Pale, and right after the All Star break is when they put it on, and that's when. Philly Pale just took off. Yeah, that's when so that's when I had it that night. Yeah. yeah. So it was it was you know that that was the origin of Philly Pale. That's great. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah. And so Schwarber's. Yeah. So yeah. so what happened? The I guess the agent to Schwarber said, "Hey, I got an idea. Can we do something like this?" Uh huh. And we were just like, "Sure." So just great having a home run hitter. Yes. And one that's actually doing an amazing job. I mean, oh. you, you could do this and, you know, your guy, your guy oh, might yeah. not do well. You don't know. You don't know. Could be a slump here. But <laughs> yeah, but but it's like, you so know, far. so so we engaged him for three years, which is the length of his uh, Phillies contract. OK, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, they're they're poised to do as good, if not better than last year. Yeah. Yards when you first started. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, back alley and maniunk and yeah. What's yards today? What kind of brewery are you? Uh, where do you distribute? So we're craft regional um, brewery. We are still just in three and a half states. Wow. Yeah. So Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, and basically two thirds of Maryland. Okay. We actually just picked up Montgomery County in Maryland. Is we've never been in there before because of how crazy the world laws they are. are. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
That's yeah. cool. Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that that, that was it. That's, yeah. But that's the way to do it. Right. You know, yeah. keep it close, keep it under control. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and and we said the best seller was Philly Pale. Yeah. How's Brawler doing? I, I love Brawler. <laughs> Brawler and IPA are the next two to follow. No kidding. Yep. So Brawler is still hanging in there. Um, you know, it's it's a nice, easy drinking. It's an English mile. So it's an easy yeah. drinking beer. So. Yeah. It just, it amazes me the way people just took to that without even realizing you know, yeah. you're, you're like drinking the anti-IPA. Do you realize that? <laughs> you're okay with that? Okay. Right. But, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a beautiful gateway beer for people to get into. It's like, hey, you know, it's a little bit dark. Yeah. You know, the you know, first people first thing people do is they drink with their eyes. It's and true. It's like, oh, oh, this might be too much for me. And they taste it. And they're like, wow, this is something I can drink. Yeah. You know, it's got a little malt character. And, you know, it's low hop, but it's it's got a doesn't have a citrusy hop. No, it has more no. of that floral hop like you would find yep. in a lot of English ales. Yeah, so yeah, and the lower alcohol isn't stressed, but that yeah. doesn't hurt either. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, you you can uh you know have a couple beers and play ball. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great beer for that. It's, yeah, it's a great beer for playing cards too. You don't do anything stupid. Underdog is out. Underdog is out. Yeah. Right. So you've got your you get your fest going. Yeah. Um, I mean it's. I mean, Maybe it's not quite September, but it's a couple of days. Who cares? Exactly. We 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 bought this amazing German brew house that is, you know, primed to be making. Might underdog. as well be doing it, right? So we're making our underdog, our fest beer. We're doing our uh, our other German beer, which is the Dunkel, which is uh, Long John's. Oh, which right, we call for the Dark yeah. Lager. So we're we're really psyched and happy to uh, you know have be able to do German styles very consistently, <laughs> which is what this brew house yeah. does makes consistent. Yeah. Okay. We're not. We're not doing. We're, we're not doing loyal lager anymore. Okay. All right. So th- that kind of you know ran its course, and and then, and it's funny, we've noticed that that happens more in, with uh, craft beer these days than anything else. Seasonals are not as popular as they once were. No. But what people do is, and brewers, we, we come out with a beer, and we let it live its life. We put it out all year round, and it's going to be hot, and it might resurge, but. At one point, it's like yeah. When it's done, it's done. We're gonna move on. Yeah. And so, so many brewers are doing that these days. I think it's a, you know, it's it's like the new seasonal, but you can get it all all you want until yeah. until you don't buy it anymore. <laughs> but but I, I think that's true of of all beers. You know, you always say there's like that four year cycle mm-hmm. um, with anything. Yeah. So we'll see. You know, I think that is true in beer too. Yeah, and and, and obviously some of them transcend that. Right. Yeah. And hopefully it's a four-year cycle for seltzers and a four-year cycle for the canned cocktails. Cause yes. Because they're kicking our ass right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you are the the biggest and oldest brick-and-mortar brewery in Philadelphia now. Yes. I mean, you survived and thrived. Yeah. Does that bring any kind of, I don't know, responsibility or? Well, I mean, I think we when we built this place, we kind of said we, we owned that. We're just like, we're building a place to be the example mm. of what a brewery can be and, you know, how, how you should be operating and things like that. So, I mean, you know, just with with the lab that we have and, uh-huh. you know, we're even starting to offer lab services to people and things like that. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, there's there's a lot we're doing here. And I mean, I mean, I always hope the beer community is, you know. Takes, takes advantage of yeah. us, and you know, to help them out with what they do and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. And I thought, did I answer your question on that one? Or, yeah, okay. yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
No, well, I sometimes a, I go on a little tangent. No, 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 I think that's an important thing, and I think that's a great answer to it because, I mean, that's what I want to see. I want to yeah. see the and community. We, we do a lot of contract brewing too. Did you for, for other I didn't for other, know that. For other breweries? Okay, so, so that's oh, you know, they want a package and that you know might not have the ability or the you know the size to package uh-huh. some of their more popular beers. So okay, we'll, we'll help them out with that. We've gone through a few of them, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's been pretty cool. That's great. It's good yeah. business for everybody. Yeah. All right, um, Tom. That's all I got. Thank you very much. It's great to yeah, see you. Cool, awesome. Okay, great to Guys, see you, Lou. Stop by Yards when you're in Philly. It's a good time. <laughs> exactly. We'll, we'll we'll try to you know treat you our best. So. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. That's about it for our Philly trip. I did slip out to Croydon and had some bourbon and cigars by the Neshaminy Creek with my old buddy Tom Linquist. That was a good quiet night. We also went to Victory Kitchen by the Frankfurt L for a final lunch with Tom and Sade. Great sandwiches, clean and bustling little place, across from the famously divey The L Bar. Then we drove back home and saw the progress on our house. We're doing a lot. New kitchen, additional master bedroom and bath, laundry room, family room, patio and a screened porch, and a detached office for me that will have a recording booth. I'm really looking forward to that. But the part that I think will interest you is the basement bar. I've put off a home bar for decades because, frankly, I didn't trust myself to do anything but hang out there. I was having fun going out, and it was work, too. I didn't want to get too comfortable at home. But this is our retirement home. It's time to have a place like that. The house had an unfinished basement room that opens onto the sidewalk on Main Street. We sat down with the architect and got to work. First, we moved the mechanical room back to pick up more space in the bar and squeezed a powder room in. Our contractor, Matt Garman, knocked out the concrete blocks that had closed up a third window. We're going to have plenty of light in the place. We were planning on a quiet, snug pub with lots of dark wood and brass lights, maybe a speakeasy door. But as things progressed, adjustments had to be made. On the downside, there was live rock where the powder room was supposed to go. A lot of it. A little bit of jackhammer work carved out enough to fit the powder room in, if not exactly where it was planned. The rafters on one side of the room were badly compromised due to some questionable decisions made by the previous owners, and they were would have to be strengthened and, unfortunately, covered up. On the positive side, though, Matt told us that the stone walls would not have to be covered up, so we changed our concept. Stone walls will make a much more rustic look, so we're going with a patterned concrete floor and a live-edge black walnut slab for the bar top. I'm looking for some flame bulbs for atmosphere, and some old-time signs, and maybe my old-school yingling neon. And the business end of it? We're going to have two taps mounted in the back wall in wood, maybe a barrel top, with the keg fridge in the mechanical room on the other side of the wall. One beer tap, one sparkling water for highballs and spritzers. Whiskey on the back bar, of course. We'll have a table and some plain wooden chairs, maybe a dartboard, and a cast-iron propane stove in the corner. I'm still working on a name for it. I'll let you know how things continue. I do have three events I wanted to tell you about. Coming up soon is the Snacktown Brewfest in Hanover, Pennsylvania, of course. I gotta do a Snacktown episode. The fest is on Saturday, September 16th, from 1 to 5. Lots of brewers, food trucks, music, and snacks. Go to snacktownbrewfest.com or search it on Facebook. It's $35 general admission, a little bit more if you buy a ticket at the gate. 
The 11th annual Milheim Oktoberfest will be on Saturday, September 30th, a benefit for the Milheim Fire Company with plenty of Elk Creek Oktoberfest beer and Germany-type eats. We'll have music, of course, and I'll be there, pouring beers or slinging sausage or whatever the hell they have me doing this time. It's a great time. Come on out and join us from noon to 6 on the 30th. There's another Oktoberfest also on September 30th that I wanted to tell you about, the Neshaminy Creek Brewing Oktoberfest in Croydon along the Delaware River, just north of Philadelphia. Neshaminy Creek is a favorite of ours, and they'll have a new beer at the fest that I really wish I could try, Sweet Hell, a smoked Hellas lager brewed with 100% beechwood smoked malt and all German Tettnanger hops. They've won GABF medals several years for their Croydon is Burning Rauch beer. They know what they're doing with smoke. They'll also have their Creekfest beer, along with music and plenty of really good food. The fest is on Saturday the 30th from noon to 7 p.m. Check the Neshaminy Creek Brewing website or Facebook page for details. That's the show. My thanks to Ken and Tom for two great interviews, and a huge thanks to Thomas and Sade for letting us stay at their home and watching Pippin and going out and having fun with us. You can find pictures of many of these places on Instagram at Stag Podcast and on Facebook at Seen Through a Glass, where you'll find pictures and links and ways to contact me. Please consider subscribing to get notice of new episodes, and if you like the show, take a moment and drop a rating or review. Even better, tell your friends. Thanks. I have a coffee button set up in my Instagram link tree, Twitter profile, both are at Lou Bryson, and at the Seen Through a Glass Facebook page and blog. If you like the show, rather than a paid subscription, this is an easy way to drop me a few bucks to help keep this going. It goes to tips for bartenders, gas for the Subaru, and a couple of beers. And to the increasing number of you who have already donated, thank you. You can always message me directly on social media to let me know what you liked on an episode, what could be improved, and what Central Pennsylvania drinks and food producers you'd like to hear from. Central Pennsylvania summers are much better than Philadelphia summers. Lordy me, that's true. The next episode will probably be on coffee, but there's a possible Lancaster episode looming too. We'll see. Until then, thanks for listening. This is Lou Bryson on Scene Through a Glass, temporarily coming from the city of brotherly love. <laughs>